This is the Olive Wellness Podcast, brought to you by the Olive Wellness Institute. Welcome to this episode of Olive Wellness Podcast. I'm Sarah Gray. As kids, we grow up to think that if it tastes terrible, like Brussels sprouts, for instance, then it's good for you. And conversely, if it tastes good, it's probably unhealthy. Of course, that's silly, but often, when we want others to follow a healthy diet, we tend to focus more on the nutritional benefits and medicinal qualities of fresh and natural food. The great thing is that they can also taste delicious. Russell Keast says fresh extra virgin olive oil, or EVU, for example, can enhance the taste and aroma of many different kinds of dishes, from salads to cooked meat and vegetables, or as a substitute to butter on toast. Russell's a professor at the School of Exercise and Nutrition at Deakin University. He's been researching oleocanthal, a natural compound found in EVU, responsible for the burning sensation at the back of the throat when you swallow it. Oleocanthal has been found to have anti-inflammatory and antioxidant properties, which can help alleviate heart disease and Alzheimer's disease. Russell's also head of the Centre of Advanced Sensory Science, a food research group which aims to understand why we like food and the influence of taste with the foods we eat. He also spent several years at Manal Chemical Sensors Centre in the United States, and he completed his PhD in flavour science at University of Otago in New Zealand. Prior to university, Russell was a qualified chef. So, who better to explain to Chris Ashmore about the taste of extra virgin olive oil and how it fits into our diet? Extra virgin olive oil is a really interesting oil and it's different from other seed oils. And you can tell that by looking at it. So, if you've got a fresh extra virgin olive oil and we're coming up to the harvest season around May, June, if you live close enough to a press, an olive press, go along and try and smell the production of it. It's really green, really interesting aromas emanating from the oil. If you go to other seed type oils, there's no real aromas to it. The colour is also really interesting. So you get a deep colour. Fresh olive oil, freshly pressed virgin olive oil is a deep green, so it's really attractive to the eye. Maybe by about August or September, that green colour is starting to turn a little bit more yellow as some of the chlorophyll, which is causing the greenness, starts to degrade. So from a looking point of view, from an aroma point of view, extra virgin olive oil is really interesting, really powerful. When we put it in the mouth, that's obviously where most of the sensory information comes from. Oil itself, any oil you put in your mouth, it's sort of greasy or slippery, has that lubricating factor. Some people don't particularly like that. The good thing about olive oil is you've still got those aromas coming. So when you start to move the olive oil around the mouth, you're starting to release more volatiles. And this is what we call retronasal olfaction. And we're getting the aroma volatiles going from the mouth to the nose, and you're getting the flavour at this stage. You've still got this mouth feel or mouth coating, but there could also be bitterness with it. So Bitter is something which is naturally aversive to people. However, if it's not too intense, it's actually quite pleasant in olive oil. So the bitterness is a flavour component of good olive oil, 
but you don't want it excessively bitter, and that can really turn some consumers off. And maybe if somebody's tried a really fresh olive oil, maybe one that was from some unripe olives, maybe it could have been a bit too bitter and that would put people off. But generally, bitterness is a quality attribute and it's indicating that there's a lot of polyphenols or compounds in the oil that have potential health benefits. The other thing with olive oil, and this is what I'm going to talk more and more about as we go on through this, is a pungency or pepper-like quality that comes with it. And this is an interesting, again, it's a really positive attribute. You want it so that it's irritating the throat, but maybe not too irritating for some people, but that the higher the level of pungency, the higher the quality of oil, in my opinion. (laughs) So from a sensory point of view and what we're experiencing, it's a very dynamic oil and one that should be used a lot in terms of just daily use in terms of food. So if you've got something like as simple as a potato, a little bit of extra virgin olive oil on a potato is brilliant. This morning for breakfast, I had something simple like a piece of bread that was toasted. I just put olive oil on it and apricot jam. And the combination of that is fantastic. You've got the fruitiness, sweetness and sourness of the jam, and then you've got the liveliness of the extra virgin olive oil. And the extra virgin olive oil I was using is probably from last June. So it's getting close to being a year old and it's still got a lot of vibrancy to it in terms of aroma, in terms of pungency, a little bit of bitterness there, which also helps. Sounds fantastic. Yeah, it is, it is. You're making me hungry now. (laughs) I was going to say, though, how long does that freshness last? You said it's been almost a year, but is that the same with all olives? And does it depend on when they're pressed? So as a rule of thumb, it's an annual harvest. And olive oil historically lasts a year. And again, it's great the way this works. We've got the phenols in it which provide all those polyphenolic compounds which provide a certain level of antioxidant within the oil. So therefore, they'll slowly degrade over the year. They'll be scavenging the oxygen that could go in and make the oil rancid. So again, another key component of olive oil is eliminating off flavours. And if you've got a good extra virgin olive oil, it's got the inbuilt protection from those compounds that prevent rancidity so you've still got the wonderful flavours without having the off flavours associated with it. So what you should always check when you're looking for purchasing olive oil, especially from supermarkets, is one, local is best. So if you live in Australia, buy Australian. If you live in the US, buy from the US. If you're in Italy, buy from the Italy. In Australia here, we do excellent olive oils and our olive oils are as good as anywhere in the world. You wouldn't buy Italian olive oils in Australia or potentially you should just buy local because it is high quality. Mm. And that helps to guarantee the freshness because it's been produced, let's say, within Victoria. It only needs to go to the storage and shops here. We don't need to go across date lines. We don't need to go across the equator Mm. to deliver it. So look for the date If it's a 2019 and you're July 2020, you should be thinking, well, the 2020 is going to be out very soon. Wait for that if you can. Do you have a stock of these uh, bottles of olive oil? You would, wouldn't you? Yeah, we go through probably about 
oh, it's not too much. It would be one litre, one and a half litres a month, just the normal cooking, dressings, how we want to use it as a family, and there's three of us, so it's not too bad. There we go. <laughs> how then, and you kind of touched upon this, how does extra virgin olive oil relate to health benefits? There's actually a really interesting story behind this. When I was doing postdoctoral and research fellow research in the USA, I was at a place called the Monal Chemical Census Centre. As a postdoctoral fellow, I was in Paul Breslin's lab, and Paul worked on the oral cavity, on taste, and a number of areas with that. And he was one project he had been working on was to do with ibuprofen. Now, ibuprofen is a pharmaceutical, and it's commonly available anti-inflammatory. There was a problem with it in that for this manufacturer who was doing this liquid formulation of ibuprofen is that it irritated the back of the throat. Now, I'm going to cut to another part of the story. The director of Monell is Gary Beecham. Gary was at a molecular gastronomy conference in Sicily, and he was, as you would do in Italy, at an olive grove and tasting a freshly pressed olive oil. And what struck Gary was that there was this irritation with the olive oil and what we've talked about, the pungency or peppery nature of it, and it was localised to the back of the throat. Now, if you know about chemical irritation and chemical irritants, you know this is an all-over body thing, and the localization of an irritation is really rare. You know, if we chop a chilli pepper on our hands and we touch our eye, we know there's going to be a burning sensation coming. If we touch our lip, there's going to be a burning sensation. That's chemical irritation. And this is an all-over body. So if we scrape our skin surface and rub that chilli there, again, same thing. It's going to get extremely hot and painful. So this localization of irritation is really rare. And obviously Gary knew what Paul's research was about with ibuprofen, and he linked the two together. Here we've got this anti-inflammatory that has this localized irritation in the throat, and here we've got olive oil, this extra virgin olive oil, which has this localized irritation in the throat. Now there's a link here with the Mediterranean diet. Olive oil is a primary component of the Mediterranean diet, which is associated with reduction of numerous inflammatory-related diseases. So things like certain cancers, heart disease, stroke, arthritis, Alzheimer's disease. So there's a number of these inflammatory diseases which are lower if you can follow a traditional Mediterranean diet. And here we've got olive oil that may contain a natural anti-inflammatory. So that was the start of the research question. When Gary went back, we purchased a wide variety of olive oils. We started to look for what the compound was. So we can taste the olive oil, we can assess the irritation of it, we can look at the chemical composition of the phenolics in olive oil and then try and match the irritation that we're experiencing with the variety of phenolics that are in there. And we identified this one particular compound that varied with the intensity that we were experiencing. We then went to the University of Pennsylvania with Amos Smith and got the compound that we thought it was synthesised. That was then spiked into a non-irritating oil, so another 
oil, in this case a corn oil, which doesn't have any of these compounds in it, and tasted that as well to see if the irritation was there, and, and it was there. So we were very confident that we had identified this particular compound, but we needed to identify if it was a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. So we got Diane Morrell again from Philadelphia to run a number of experiments in test tubes at this stage or petri dishes looking for anti-inflammatory activity and also using ibuprofen as a control. And yes, this compound was in fact an anti-inflammatory compound. And then when we do up the maths... If a person has around about 50 grams a day of olive oil, it would confer approximately 10% pain-relieving dose that you would get from ibuprofen. Not that olive oil is meant to be used as a pharmacologic agent. This is really just something which may moderate the inflammatory response from eating. So when we eat something, it creates various inflammation routes in the body. And obviously, if we snack more and do things that we do today, it's not necessarily ideal. But if you've got this olive oil with oleocanthal, the the irritant in it, it may just moderate the inflammatory response to eating and therefore be partially responsible for some of the reduction in inflammatory disease that we see with the Mediterranean diet. So that was the original paper that came out and subsequent to that there's been a number of studies done on pathways. Mm. So looking at how it could be affecting cancer, how it could be reducing Alzheimer's disease, how it could be associated with a reduction in cardiovascular disease and they've actually been very successful. So a number of those pathways are in fact known. There's caveats that have to be in place with all of this. One is you don't eat oleocanthal in isolation. It's part of extra virgin olive oil. There are multiple other phenolic compounds in there and there's potential for synergy. So it may not just be one compound, but other compounds may be working in these pathways in terms of reducing the levels. While everything looks really good and and is very promising, you still can't say it's down to just one compound. But gee, it's a fantastic line of research. And from a personal perspective, I'm an absolute convert. We use olive oil for all of our cooking. The evidence in terms of the Mediterranean diet, obviously, the in vitro evidence or the evidence that comes from petri dishes not in human body is staggeringly good and it correlates very well with the epidemiological evidence from the Mediterranean diet. So there's a lot of really good clues there and maybe the next 10 years, 20 years, we'll actually have some human studies underway to prove the point. Well, that's incredible. It's incredible that As you say, more research will obviously need to be done, but the signs are pretty encouraging for it. So, Russell, what's your advice for perhaps people listening who want to increase, and I'm sure they do now after hearing that, they want to increase their consumption of extra virgin olive oil in their daily diet. How do they do that? One, it's really easy to do, simply because any time you would necessarily use a fat in cooking, you can use extra virgin olive oil. Now, I would warn against the light versions or something which says olive oil. It's got to be the virgin olive oil or extra virgin olive oil. 
simply because if the oil is processed beyond pressing, all of those health-giving benefits that I've talked about are removed from the oil. So it's really important that it's extra virgin olive oil. But when you've got the extra virgin olive oil, when you've tasted it and you've got the irritation at the back of the throat and the irritation is strong, it may be strong enough to even make your eyes water. It certainly can make people cough. So you've got one cough, two cough, three cough three coughs better. So it, it really catches the back of the throat nicely. Once you've got that established, use it however you would. So as I said, I use it in place of butter on toast. It's a very easy way to do it. And again, really pleasant. Salad dressings on potatoes. You can fry with it. You can cook with it. The heat stability of extra virgin olive oil is really good. We did a study looking at frying times and stability of oleocanthal in cooking. And I think we went up to 230 degrees for five minutes. Now, there was degradation of some of the phenolic compounds, but oleocanthal was protected and it was stable throughout. So you can even do those levels of cooking with it and retain the high levels of irritation that you get. So again, any time you're using oil, or even maybe times where you haven't used oil, again, I said potatoes, really simple to be able to just drizzle a little bit of extra virgin olive oil over potatoes, a little bit of salt on there as well, really tasty. Bread is excellent, so any of those starchy-based foods, rice is another one where you can just drizzle it over, just adds to the complexity of the flavour that you're eating. So there's multiple ways of doing it, and certainly I'd encourage anybody who is listening to take it as part of their daily routine. Professor Russell Keast. That ends this episode of Olive Wellness Podcast. To learn more about the nutrition, health and wellness benefits of olives and olive products, please visit the Olive Wellness Institute website at olivewellnessinstitute.org. Until next time, I'm Sarah Gray. Thanks for listening.